Hello, everyone. This is your host, Eva Cartman, and welcome to the third episode of the Lovely Homestead podcast. If you are new and haven't listened to the very first episode, I suggest that you go check that out to learn more about me and the podcast. In this episode, we have another interview with yet another incredible homesteader. Today, I'm going to be welcoming Rose Duncan of Wholesome Roots. Rose and her family live on a 14-plus acre farm in Georgia, where the family aims to be self-sustainable, share their knowledge and passion with others, and going back to their roots is the number one goal. Rose has so many fun stories about the homestead, as well as so much knowledge to share about raising animals, gardening, and much more. Now, I don't know about you, but I can hardly wait for this interview. So without further ado, let me introduce Rose to the Lovely Homestead Podcast. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. It's an honor to have you, Rose, on the Lovely Homestead Podcast. I was wondering, could you tell me a little bit about yourself and your background? I'm Rose, and I run the Wholesome Roots Farmstead um, that involves the farm and social media in different formats, YouTube being one of the bigger of the rest of them. (laughs) But I'm on everything, you know, a little bit here and there. And um, we just we do things locally as well, where we just try to educate people about homesteading and inspire people to try to get started gardening, even if it's just a little bit in their backyard you can always start out small and grow as you go. Yeah, that's really awesome. Do you have any, um, I know you have some past experience in like agriculture in like high school and stuff like that. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. I was um, very fortunate to grow up in an agricultural community. um, And one of the huge benefits we had was for high school, I was able to go to an agricultural high school and that was a really great experience and one that I don't think many people get. And I feel very privileged for having that. And I was also raised in an agriculture minded family where my parents raised a lot of our food when I was little. And as I grew, my mom became very involved in a lot of the agriculture communities in our area as well. So kind of always been there. And I remember gardening with my grandpa when I was tiny. So it's, (laughs) it's something that I've always done. And We've had animals, we've had, you know, gardens, and we've done all our canning and stuff since I could remember. That's amazing. We live uh, in the suburbs in LA, so it's um, (laughs) definitely, definitely a difference from your farmstead and uh, our, our house. I, I raise uh, chickens, ducks, quail, and I have a garden, so, (laughs) but cool. Yeah. What kind but of chickens do you have? I have all sorts of chickens. I have, well, I mean, not as many as I'd like because you can never have enough chickens, but I raise um, some, what are they? I raise some Easter eggers and Rhode Island reds and astrolorps and what else? Um, oh, and silkies. I love silkies. Oh, we're, looking at, we're looking at adding silkies to our homestead now. Yeah, they're they're definitely the most drama queen chickens that I've ever that I've ever seen. <laughs> I think it would be fun for my boys who are um, one, six, and nine. Oh wow! I would love for them to be able to be the ones that took care of them. 
Yeah, for sure. And they could, they could decide what they were going to do with the chicks we hatch out and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, I have a younger sister and we got our silkies about two years ago and they were, they were the first chickens I got. So they were, they made a great addition to a non for us, a non-farming family. (laughs) Uh, So everything, everything is really great on our mini homestead. (laughs) What things do you grow and raise on your farmstead? So we um, downsize our goat herd from our move last year. We, We had up to 30 in our herd at that time, but we're down to just 10 now. Um, which is still a lot. <laughs> Some days I'm like, why do I have this many? They've turned cats, <laughs> <into> really. <laughs> For and sure. We have, um, two cows, and we have well, three, seven pigs. Oh wow! Yeah, there's the one of the newest things that we've added to our homestead, and we have a bunch of poultry. We have mm-hmm. chickens. Uh, of all different kinds and <laughs> a bunch of different ducks and a goose and quail. And, um, but the pigs are the newest thing. And we had a whole bunch at one point because we had two litters at the same time from two different moms. So mm. I had to, I had to count how many we have now. <laughs> they're definitely, they're definitely a handful, but yeah. they're fun. And there are those days when you wake up and you're thinking, why do I have this many animals? But yeah. they're 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 a joy to have. Is there anything that um are there any animals that would you say are the hardest ones to take care of? Probably the goats. Um, they require a lot of maintenance and a, a higher lo- knowledge level of you know veterinary care and stuff like that because there aren't a whole lot of vets that work with them. So you kind of have to know how to do a lot of things on your own without needing a vet at every single instance, you know, it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. you kind of, you kind of learn fast if you have 30 in your yard. <laughs> so <laughs> that was, that, that was a quick learn for, for me. And now it feels more, um, I feel like I have a lot more knowledge under my belt from the experience because I had already read and learned and, and researched for years before I got them years. I mean, mm-hmm. like a long time. I always wanted goats cause I had goats when I was a kid. And, um, I learned so much in the books, but I really learned more by having them on the homestead. And that was when I really advanced in my knowledge on them, but the gardens are fun too. The animals are a lot of fun, but I I've, I've grown things since, like I said, since I was little at my grandpa's mm-hmm. knee, growing a garden is something I've always taken a lot of pride in. And it's what I have done for most of my career as a horticulturist. So it's, it's a, it's a big part of our homestead. We try to grow as much food as we can for daily meals, weekly meals at the least. And we are working towards building a very nice orchard food forest. That's Mm going to have a lot of different fruit growing in it. It's going to be many, many layers of fruit and from anywhere from like subtropical, all the way up to apples and such that grow in the north. So it's like we're going to try to create our own little micro environment. <laughs> Amazing. And I, I've heard about this food forest. So it's l- like layer, different layers of can you tell us? Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we, we try to 
base most of our homesteading decisions on on a lot of permaculture principles where we're just paying attention to how the world around us is already working and what the ebb and flow is for mother nature and how she grows things and paying attention to that on our specific space, it's going to be different than it is in your backyard. There's going to be certain things that will work better for us. For instance, um, one of the parts of our food forest is we already have some black walnuts growing here not that were here when we bought the place mm-hmm. and black walnuts are known for releasing, um, a chemical through its root zone called jugulin or jugulone. Um, I'm not sure quite how it's pronounced. <laughs> I'm always reading it, you know, I don't hear mm-hmm. people say it. I for just... sure. <laughs> so anyway, um, it, it has a tendency to make other plants not grow. It's allopathic. So it's, it, it, it ruins um, tomatoes ability to grow. Um, tomatoes are super sensitive to things like that. And mm-hmm. so they won't grow anywhere near it, but what does grow under it is a, understory tree that grows naturally in the south that's the largest tropical fruit in america and it's cool if you've ever heard of a pawpaw tree or a pawpaw plant they're not real common but like people are starting to be more aware of them because they've been in our backyards this whole time and people just kind of ignored it or the raccoons got to them and ate them all first but Mm -hmm. people are really starting to cultivate them into their homesteads and their farmsteads and it's really been um it's really been a, an interesting thing to see grow from a natural native plant that's now becoming popular in people's food forests that they're planting but that's they, awesome they grow mm-hmm. so easy it's like it's no wonder why we haven't been growing them you know <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah there's definitely a lot of things like you said earlier that you really learn by doing and uh i mean yes you learn a whole bunch from reading. And I don't know how many books I read about ducks before I got them and I still wasn't prepared. So, but you really like, now I've learned that they really do. Like I had, when I first got them, I had figured, Oh, I'll just, they'll live with the chickens and the watering system will be the same even after I read about them. And now I've learned and my chickens and ducks live separately, which they can live together, but it just depends on what space and well, honestly, who's like what your property looks like, like yours is definitely a lot different than mine. And though I would love to raise goats, I can't. (laughs) And uh, there's definitely many things that also you can grow and raise at the same time in different areas. So I think that's really cool that you have figured out this whole food forest thing and are and are learning from all these experiences from your animals and garden. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So previously you mentioned goats and I know that uh, a little while ago you had the experience of raising a goat named Autumn. Uh, Can you share the story of Autumn? My Autumn. She's my special girl. (laughs) She, she ended up, um, she walked for a couple of weeks and seemed like she was a pretty normal baby, but she was the third. She was a triplet. And mama didn't seem like she had quite enough milk for all of them. So I had started supplementing her to make sure she would get as much as she needed because bucks tend to bucklings even um, tend to be more aggressive in their eating. So they'll, they'll push off the doling more than likely when you have triplets with just one doling. So we started supplementing her 
And so she quickly was becoming our favorite goat in the universe because anytime you bottle feed a goat, you, you just get a deeper, <laughs> a, a tighter connection with them. They get a little spoiled. Mm-hmm. But uh, then she began to have trouble walking and it got worse and it got worse. And it before we knew it, she could not walk at all. And she was completely limp on all four legs. She had no mobility in them at all for four months crazy four months and that whole time I had to put change her diaper multiple times a day I had to do physical therapy we built her a wheelchair like (laughs) we could not find something that would work for her and we built it out of PVC (laughs) amazing (laughs) (laughs) we built her a wheelchair and we got her up and moving um every day multiple times a day just trying to keep her muscles from atrophying and we kept on giving her supplements that we felt like we're going to help her we don't have an actual diagnosis on her there's multiple theories on her that could have contributed to what happened to her but nothing was confirmed there is it's still kind of a mystery um but you know uh a lot of people said that she wasn't worth it during that four months a lot of people told me that I needed to let her go and I you know and I just couldn't you looked at her face and she said <laughs> I want run across this room like just let me get my legs working and I will do it and darn sure she did it she got wow. and walked and she is a normal walking she has a little bit of a tilt to her head because her neck muscles didn't get as good of an exercise as they could. So, uh, you know, I, uh, now, uh, now I know that the neck, neck needs just as much exercise as the leg <laughs> because you can tell, because whenever she would sit down in her bed and not, mm-hmm. she would, she would hold her head up like that off of the ground. So she had neck motion. Well, now that side is just, she just always kind of leans <laughs> up straight. Like all of her cognitive skills seem really good and she's living with the herd. Uh, it took a while to get her to be able to live with the herd on her own, but we had already been working towards keeping her out there with the herd during the day, even though it was in a kiddie pool that we had to carry her out there. <laughs> and, you know, like we wanted her to still feel like she was, she was part of the herd and, it helped for the most part. She's definitely a loner. She definitely <laughs> tends to think she's a human and comes running to us when she sees us. And she's just our baby. We've we've said if if the worst thing in the world happened and we had to completely give up all farming and get rid of everything, what is the one thing we would take with us? And it's all <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a, that's incredible. And it definitely it takes a lot of hard work and dedication to keep like persisting even when people tell you, you know, it's not going to work out like that. And to show that all the hard work paid off is, is really incredible, especially, especially when you have, um, a little life counting (laughs) on it. And so that's, that's really awesome. We had, um, we had a, we have, we have a quail and it was the first animals that I hatched in because I only, I only started getting interested in animals about two years ago. And now, like, I can't imagine my life without that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible because just going from the normal, like, uh, buying your food at the store and then realizing I can grow that 
I can, like, I can raise, I can raise and I can grow that. And it's, it's incredible seeing the difference and seeing like these animals at, um, at like different like farms that you can go visit. And then there's like, you come home and you're like, Hey, I have animals like that too now. (laughs) So, but we had a, we have a quail and she, we had a male quail that I had hatched and he beat the females up so much that I came home one day and I had this little female quail who we didn't think was going to make it because her head was so bloody and her, yeah. And her eyes were, it didn't look like she had an eye and we had to nurse her back to where the point now where she's outside, all her feathers are back and she's, she's running with the whole flock again. And it's really awesome. And we had also a quail who got half of its neck bit off by a hawk and is now running around with the rest of the flock again. So it's, it's incredible. It's definitely not on the same level as a goat, but it's incredible when you can see these lives that you can improve and you can help in these animals. So it's, it's really awesome to have the experience of raising animals and having, having, uh, your own farm and (laughs) it's really cool. Um, so I wanted to ask, what's the, what, what was your vision when you started, when you started, uh, homesteading? Oh, that's hard to put a timeline on that because (laughs) I've never really left homesteading for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, but what my, my vision has been probably mostly in the last couple of years is that we would develop a way to be self-sustainable to the highest degree that we can comfortably do so. So I don't want to go into debt getting solar panels put on and paying for them for the next 30 years. I want to get maybe a couple of solar panels in a battery pack and start there, you know, and like add on to it as we go. Don't go above our means in our big purchases so that we can do little incremental changes to be better and better every day, because it's, it's not easy and it's not cheap to make the changes into this lifestyle. You know, there's a lot of things that you have to invest in with your fencing and tractors and animals, you you know, you pay a lot of money for these things, but the benefits that, and the reward that you get, like a lot of the rewards you were talking about with the animals and how good that makes you feel. And a lot of my animals are like my dearest friends <laughs> and they, they lift me up when I'm down and they, they really do make me feel like they're just, they just give you that extra boost when you need it, you know, and the garden does too, for me, it's a lot of great therapy to just dig in the dirt and connect with the soil. And um, I, I just want to be as self-sustainable as possible while still respecting all of the things that I get, I first drew me to it. I don't want to lose the joy that it brings me by trying to do too much. So adding a little at a time, it gives me the ability to enjoy it and love it while I'm also growing and becoming better. I completely agree. And, um, on, uh, when you, when, when you're thinking about how you've grown, it's really cool looking back and seeing what, you first were, and then how far you've come. And it's, it's, it's really a fun experience. 
when you um thinking about like your uh journey into building more and um getting like i'd say getting more and building more onto your homestead if you could if you could go back and talk to yourself what what would you what advice would you give uh buy my own homestead sooner uh definitely <laughs> that you know we 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 did a lot of renting of homesteads over the last couple of decades and it was <laughs> It was challenging at times and it caused a lot of um, obstacles that we would not have had if we had owned from the start. So now that we own, I'm like, I know exactly what, you know, like, so I don't know, in some ways, maybe it was good practice (laughs) to Mm -hmm. not make permanent decisions right away to know, to pause, take a look at everything. Um, you know, our first orchard, we planted at our old homestead, even though we were renting, we planted an orchard, like the first fall we were there and we planted a ton of trees into an area that we thought was going to be perfect because it was right out in the sun. It was open. It would be easy to mow around, but it was like nowhere near where our water source was. And it was right in a path where the deer like to travel. So <laughs> I learned that that was a bad spot. And then I ended up moving as many as them as I could over to a different area that we had learned, you know, after living there for a couple of years that we knew it was a bad idea to put an orchard over there. <laughs> but yeah, you learn, you learn as you go. And, um, you know, I, I, I know how to look at a map and see the top ag- topography of a location and just kind of figure out where the best, areas will be as far as like how the land is shaped, you know, and how the water flow is going to work on it and everything like that. And it, it, it gives me a good place to start. And I think that that's going to be the winning key for us is just being patient and patiently starting. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. Like there's so many, there's so many different things that (laughs) like I would for myself, I would tell myself maybe I wouldn't get so many like um, when I first started with chickens, maybe I wouldn't get so many silkies because when I first started, I got myself six silkies and I thought they were going to lay me a whole bunch of eggs. (laughs) And then here I like I would have when I started, I probably would have taken it a bit more slow, but I guess it's uh, like you said, it's the, it's a learning experience. You, uh, it's what helps you, it's what helps you grow and what helps you completely like it, it's your stepping stones to what, <laughs> to what you are now. Yeah, so yeah. what, what would you say is the easiest part of having a homestead? <laughs> uh, eating the food that comes from <laughs> That's, that's, that's like, that's probably my proudest, happiest moment. And I guess that's the easiest because there's not a whole lot of other things that are easy. It's <laughs> a lot of work, but mm-hmm. it, a lot of it is work that I enjoy. So that's a good thing. But I do really enjoy when I can like sit down and go, oh my gosh, this, 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 everything on this plate was from us. Like, <laughs> except for the salt and pepper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's, it's like, wow, that's, that's a really good feeling. I, I agree. It's, it's incredible to just be able to uh, have your own food and 
it is hard work. <laughs> it's um, and I can't even imagine what you go through every day with me only like I have I have my animals in the back, but it's it's still a lot of work. And you have so many animals and uh, garden and it's it's amazing what you do. So I, I definitely I admire that about you. <laughs> I want to say that I, I really appreciate you asking me to come on and I think that you're an amazing girl and I think you're doing pretty awesome things and I I'm really proud of you for what you're doing and it, it makes a big difference in everybody's lives not <laughs> not just uh yours and mine but the whole world around you <laughs> thank you so much Rose and I guess uh I did think of one more question where can where can people find out more about you um, I'm basically Wholesome Roots on all social media. So it's Wholesome Roots on YouTube, Wholesome Roots on Instagram, on TikTok. Uh, on Facebook, I have two things. I have a Facebook page that is Wholesome Roots Passionate to Plants. And then my Facebook group is Wholesome Roots Farmstead Friends. Um, that's pretty much And I have a website, wholesomeroots.org. But I haven't done much on that. I used to blog a little, but. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so, so much, Rose. I really appreciate it. And thank you. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much. It was such a delight to have Rose on the podcast. What an incredible interview. It was amazing hearing how Rose and her family chose to live such an amazing lifestyle. To be able to live closer to the earth and know where our food comes from is such a gift and without a doubt, a lot of hard work. I definitely admire that as well as having a strong passion for all of this, it's incredible that Rose wants to share this passion with others. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends and family about the lovely Homestead podcast. If everyone listening could just tell one person about the podcast, that would lead to so many people who get to listen to incredible homesteaders and farmers just like Rose. If you haven't already, please be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you'll be notified whenever I release a new episode. As of now, I will release an episode at least once a month, but this may vary sometime in the future. I would also like to mention that at the moment, I'm working on creating a place where you can reach me personally. But for now, if you have any questions that you would like me to answer, possibly in the next few episodes, whether it be about myself or homesteading, please leave it in the comment section below. And if you're interested in learning more about Rose at Wholesome Roots, I've put links in the show notes to her website, YouTube channel, and much more. Thank you so, so much for tuning into this episode, and I hope to see you soon. Bye.